Okay, everybody, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to True Life Church Online. I'm Pastor Perry, one of the ministers here. So glad that you joined us today. And uh, we're going to jump into the Word. But before we do, I just want to share a few things. We're in week four of Peace in the Storm. And before we jump into the message, I just wanted to share some things. Michael has kind of started a tradition of having something a little amusing, a little lighthearted with all of the despair that's going on in the world today. Sometimes we just need to chuckle a little bit and laugh a little bit. So I found some church signs uh, this week that have gone up in the last few weeks during this pandemic. I like this one. Wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. And this is one I like this. Give us clean hands and give us Purell hearts. Here's one on, a church, on the church. It says, Jesus cleans the heart. We disinfect the pew. Uh, we just want to be in cooperation there. I like this one. This too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it's going to pass. Trust me. This last one, I want to set it up. It reminds me of being in school. And you know, the bully who makes that proclamation, you meet me in the parking lot after school. He's picking on the wrong person here. It's uh, Jesus, six o'clock parking lot. Be there. I'd like to watch that maybe. I don't know. Uh, so, but we're going to jump right into the word. We got a lot to cover today. So we are going to start with our theme scripture that we've been running every week in Matthew 14, verse 29. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. That's a cool scripture. I love that. He walked on the water. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified. He began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And uh, today I want to kind of take this that we all feel like maybe we're in that storm and we feel like the waves are beating against us and there's no hope. Uh, today, though, I want to talk about optimism because I'm an optimistic person. Uh, I've been accused of being an optimist. I had one pastor tell me one time that I was too optimistic, uh, that I, I needed to tone it down a little bit, not be so positive. But today there's a pandemic of negativism. It's, it's everywhere. All you have to do is turn your TV on and turn whatever news station on and you'll see all the negativism. Put on social media and you'll see all the negative statements and all the comments. So today I just want to infuse a little bit of optimism in the middle of all of this. We have this self-talk that goes on, you know, uh, I, I, that, that we'll tell ourselves things like, I can't keep that social distance much longer. I need to be around people. My life stinks right now. Things are getting worse and, and the news is telling us it's going to get even worse before it gets better. Uh, and we talk ourselves into this gloom and to this doom. And then there's the world talk. The world talk tells us things like the economy is doomed. Our families are going to fall apart. The school system stink, which is kind of funny because we're all homeschooling right now. And uh, we, we, we see things that uh, uh, like the churches, they're going to die. They're not going to be able to survive this. Uh, teenagers, don't get me started on that. You know, they're, they're a mess and everything's terrible. Our government, they're, they're behind all of this. Or they're poisoning our crops. Everything in the world is going to hell in a handbasket. 
You know, if, if we look in those areas, we're going to find it. Matter of fact, the things that we look for, if it's pessimism or it's optimism, we're going to find those things. So uh, if you think about the, the birds of the air, Jesus uses that in illustration one time. Consider, you know, look at the birds of the air. Uh, well, we're going to look at two of them. If you think of birds sharing the same space, you have buzzards that fly in the air. And what do they do? They look for rotting corpses. They look for decaying things. They look for bad things. And then you also have in the same air, in the same sky, you have hummingbirds that spend their day going from one sweet thing to another sweet thing, trying to find that nectar. And that's not just some little preachy kind of cliche. There's a scripture that supports that. The word says, in Proverbs 11:27, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. I find that kind of amazing that that if you search for for evil, it, you know, you're you're it's going to find you out. I mean, it's going to you know, it, it it's you're going to find it'll come after you. If you search for good, you're going to find it, but evil it's looking for you. Uh, the optimist would say, my cup runs over. It's running over. Uh, you know, and we would say, the optimist would say, oh, God is blessing me. The pessimist would look at it and say, my cup is running over. Oh, no. Now I'm going to have to clean that mess up from the cup running over. Some of you have already decided that uh, you're going to take a pessimistic view of today. Some of you don't like this topic. I don't want to hear about optimism in the middle of all of this stuff. Just let me stay in my misery. Some of you may be even saying, I don't like this church online thing. I, I want to get back in church, and we all do. I want to be around people. But I'm going to try to stay optimistic while we're doing this. I'm going to try to stay on the positive note of this. Uh, some of you uh, maybe are saying, where's Pastor Michael at? I tuned in to hear Pastor Michael. I'm stuck with this guy today. Uh, well, that's the truth, but I like to look at the optimistic view. Thank God that we have a pastor who, who is bringing us the word every week and is bringing us that, that, that really rich meal, that filet mignon week after week. And then he has people on staff that can also bring some bologna every once in a while to the group. You know, some don't like all this positive message. I've heard it before. You know, we got too much, too much positive messages today. It's too new age. Well, what do you want us to do? Just stand up and complain while we're preaching? Listen, some people don't like the big church. I'd rather just have the small church. I had a pastor that told me years ago, I don't want a big church. I just want a church of 50 or 75 people. And I asked him the question after that, so what are you going to do when number 76 comes in? Are you going to say we're all full, no more allowed? The Bible says that we're to seek and save, that, that he is seeking and saving those that are lost. And as long as there's lost people, there's still room in our church for more and more people. You know, the big church, I don't like that feel-good preaching. Well, you, you can find misery if you want it, but I, I want to feel good. I want to be lifted up. You know, I, am, I, I, I want to share just a couple of points here. Uh, I'm not optimistic based, I, or I am optimist. I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. 
you know, because this stuff's hit me as much as other people. I miss my grandchildren. I want to be able to hug them. I want to be able to kiss them. I want to be able to play with them. I miss my kids. I miss my family. I'd like to be able to visit my mom. I'd like to be able to do those things. I feel like I need that. But I'm not optimistic based on feeling. I am optimistic based on what God says. And so today we're going to discuss that. We're going to go into the book of Romans. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, I have found eight reasons to be optimistic. Now, there's a whole bunch more. Matter of fact, there's 20 plus reasons in, uh, in, in chapter 8. But two things, it doesn't sound as cool to say 20 reasons in Romans 8. And the other thing is by like number 12, some of you are already, you know, kind of trying to find somebody else online to listen to because you're going to be sleeping or doing other things. So let's jump right into it. Number one of the reasons why I am optimistic, I am optimistic because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. My sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. The word says it this way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. If you are in Christ, you called on him, your sins are forgiven. You have been forgiven for a lot, or at least I have, and my sins have been removed from me as far as the east is from the west. I am optimistic because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. And if you're a Christian today and your sins have been forgiven, that's reason enough. You're going to spend eternity with him. You know, if today is the last sermon I ever preach, I still have reason to be optimistic because I am spending eternity with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Number two, I am optimistic because Jesus is at the right hand of God and you know what he's doing? He's praying for me. The Bible says it this way, Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. We just went through Easter season and we talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, but more than that, he rose again. And even more than that, when he ascended into heaven, he is now seated at the right hand of God and he's making the intercession. He's praying for me. Have you ever needed a professional pray, uh, prayer partner, a person who would pray for you? You know, not that 10 cent prayer, but that million dollar prayer that you desperately need. I remember one time uh, I was injured in, in an accident around the house and I actually cut my finger off and uh, it was detached and I picked it up and I put it back in place. Some of you are already like squeamish about that. Uh, but on the way to the hospital, before I passed out, uh, but on the way to the hospital, I remember telling Penny as she's driving me there, and I'm like, honey, these are the people I want you to call. And I started naming about a half a dozen people. Those are the ones you, I, I want you to call. I don't want you telling anybody else. I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. I want people touching the throne of God, praying for me. I had another, uh, I had a friend of mine, his name was Dave, Dave Platt. 
mighty man of God. He wasn't a minister, wasn't a pastor. I believe he was a prophet of God, the best way to describe him. But boy, you know, most of the time if I said I need to call Dave to pray for me about this, he was already in the process of calling me. And I remember I had a minister at my church one time and he's praying for people at the end of service. And the Lord just gave him a word for this lady. And he actually ran it by me as the pastor. He said, the Lord is telling me that the thing that she has desired for so long, God is going to give her. Can I tell her that? And I said, well, you're sure it's God? He said, I know it's God. And I said, well, they wanted to have a child. And for years, they've not been able to. And they've given up. And I said, so go right ahead. And he shared that with her. Long story short, a year later when he comes back, he was introduced to their little child. And during the service he was with us that year, he prayed for her again and gave her the same word. And like two years later, he comes back and he's introduced to their second child. The funny thing is the lady said, okay, Dave, do not pray for me anymore. I'm done. You know, and that was the end of it. So that was a perfect, but you know what? As much as I had confidence in Dave's prayers and in the prayer of certain people, we have someone right now praying for us that's much better. Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for you. He's sitting at the right hand of God defending us. I'm optimistic because Jesus himself is praying for me. Number three, and I know I'm going fast, but I got a lot to cover, and I'm afraid, you know, that Jared and John here just might cut me right off here. They have that power today. But I'm optimistic because my future, my future victory is greater than my present pain. Some of you might say, well, you know, you don't know my pain right now. Well, you don't know the victory that God has for you. God is shaping me, and the scripture says it this way. I consider that our present suffering, and it's real. Present suffering doesn't say it's not real. It is real. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, Paul said this, and he said this while he was in jail. So he wasn't lying in a bed of roses when he said this. His current suffering was probably more than most of us will ever experience in a lifetime. I mean, he was whipped, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was snake bitten, he was left for dead. What does left for dead mean? He looked so dead, they thought he was dead. I mean, they're digging the hole for the guy, you know, and that's how dead he looked. And he wrote that the suffering I'm going through right now it doesn't even compare to what God has in store for me. James said it this way, I consider it pure joy when I face trials because the testing of my faith, it will produce perseverance. And perseverance will make me mature. And I won't lack anything when I'm mature. It's not even worth comparing to the glory that God has for me. How God is using this to conform me to Christ. Number four, I'm optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and is peace. I used to be petrified and not have peace, and my worst time ever was right before I preached. 
When I was a young minister, I can remember we always sat on the stage in those days, on the platform, and we had these big chairs. They looked like thrones, and I would sit there the whole service, and I can remember while the worship was going on, any announcements, prayer time, offering, I would look out at the congregation, and I would see people scrunching their faces up sometimes, and talking to the person beside them and and sometimes just looking really angry you know and, and i would start thinking all the is that person mad are they leaving the church didn't they like that song are they not enjoying this oh my gosh i better talk to them afterwards and so by the time i got into the pulpit i was a wreck i didn't have any peace there was a simple thing to do and that, that is I just got out of the chair and I started sitting on the front row. So everybody was behind me and all I had to do was pay attention to the Lord and worship Him and forget about everything else. There's a peace that surpasses understanding. I've experienced it so many times as a pastor. I've sat by the bedside of somebody who is terminally ill and they're going to be with the Lord. And I've watched God just sweep in and the Holy Spirit bring peace when there should be chaos. Listen, that peace is that passes understanding, it is in the middle of this storm, if you'll just recognize it. Number five, I am optimistic because God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? The scripture starts out with that. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God that justifies. Listen, who can, there, there are people that are going to be against us, but they can't stand up to our God. Someone doesn't like you. Well, listen, every one of us probably has somebody that doesn't like us. You know, it just happens, but it doesn't matter. They can criticize us. They can shoot us down. It doesn't matter. If God is for you, what, what does it matter that someone is against you? So you're persecuted a little bit for your faith. So what? God is for me. He's on my side and he's cheering me on. I want to tell you a, a story in scripture and it's about the prophet Elisha. So let me just set it up for you a little bit. There's this king of Armon. And he keeps trying to evade and steal and rob from the children of Israel. And every time he makes a plan to do it, it gets foiled. Uh, Israel knows about it. They move, they relocate, they do something. Uh, the children of Israel, uh, they, they'll put uh, fortification up. And every time the king tries to do this, he fails. So he figures he's got a rat in the group. And he asks his servants, okay, who is telling Israel our plans? And they said, no one, there's this prophet over there by the name of Elisha. And every time you make a plan, God tells it. Matter of fact, God has enabled him. Elisha can hear what you're saying while you're in the bedroom. So Elisha, I mean, uh, uh, the king of Armon, he says, okay, listen, send the army out, a large number, and you bring that guy back to him, back to me, and we'll kill him. And so he sends the army out. They surround Elisha, and he has his servant there with him. And early in the morning, this is what happens. Um, the Bible says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city. 
Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. This is kind of cool because he goes out of the tent or whatever they were in and he says, look at all of these people. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, Elisha? And Elisha says to him, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those that are with us are more than those that are with him. And I can just picture, if it's me, the servant of, uh, of God, the Eli uh, servant of Elisha, I can imagine him looking out again and counting the army. Well, you know, there's a hundred, there's a hundred, there's a thousand, there's five hundred. And he goes back in the tent and he looks at Elisha. Let's count us. One, two. And, you know, Elisha, you, you better check again. What do you mean there's more with us? And so Elisha then prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, that he might see. Open his eyes. And so this is what happened. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Let me tell you something. This is a hard time we're going through. And sometimes it seems like the enemy outnumbers us. But the Bible uh, in this story here reassures me that the armies of God are at work. And God is at work right now. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And we are not outnumbered. So I am optimistic because of that. I am optimistic because God's spirit helps me in my weakness. He helps me in my weakness. The scripture says it this way who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we, have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When I'm down, He holds me up. When I'm hurting, He's my comfort. When I'm alone, He's my friend. When I'm weak, He is strong. I am optimistic that on a bad day, I know Him better. I can get closer to Him. Number seven, I am optimistic because God is working everything in my life for good. The scripture says it this way, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What the devil meant for evil, God will turn for good. The things that were devastating at the time will end up making me a better person, a better father, a better husband, a better minister, a better Christian. Uh, someone hurt me. It's just teaching me how to forgive. I'm suffering. I'm conforming to the image of God. I've lost a job. I'm trusting that God will make it better. Our church has gone online. I'm believing that when this is done, our church is going to grow faster than it's ever grown before and we're going to reach more people than we ever thought possible. I believe God is going to take what's bad and he is going to turn it and work it for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And the last thing, I am optimistic because nothing can separate us from the love of God. God loves you and he loves me and nothing is going to take that away from us. The scripture says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, no matter where I go, God is there. No matter what I do, He 
still loves me. Understand that today. That's for someone. That no matter what you've done, God still loves you. And no matter what happens to me, he's still on my side. He's for me. You can't make him stop loving you. You can't run away from his presence. He will chase you down. So we have a God. We have a God that is bigger than the worst thing in this world. Some of you might want to write that down. We have a God who is bigger than the worst thing in this world. I'm optimistic, not because of what I see. I'm optimistic based on what the Word of God says. My sins are forgiven. My God is for me. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for me. God's Spirit helps me in weakness. My suffering is not even close to what God has in store for me. God is working everything for my good, for our good. My mind is filled with the peace of God and nothing can separate me from the love of God. So I ask you, are you going to be optimistic? Or are you going to be pessimistic? Are you going to be the buzzard trying to find something rotten and bad? Are you going to be the hummingbird that is trying to find something sweet and nourishing? I want to share just a poem about uh, pessimism. Again, it's like the only poem I've ever memorized, and maybe because it's a little silly. But it's about two frogs, and one doesn't give up and one does. And it goes like this. Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One of them was an optimistic soul. But the other, he took the gloomy view and he cried, we'll die. And without more ado, with one last despairing cry, he flung up his legs and he said goodbye. But quote the other frog with a merry grin, I can't get out, but I won't give in. So around he swam until like a dream, his struggles began to churn the cream. When up on the butter, he finally stopped and out of the bowl he gladly hopped. What of the moral? It's easily found. If you can't get out, just keep swimming around. So I tell you today, in all the stuff you're going through, in the isolation, in some of the fear that's out there, just keep doing what is right. Keep swimming around. God is for you. God wants to help you even more than you know. He wants you to be optimistic. Heaven is real, and it's for you, not because we're so good, but because he's so good. So before we close, I just want to ask a couple of questions. First of all, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he today wants to welcome you in and give you a future and give you a hope that's beyond measure. And all you have to do is just ask him to come into your heart. It's that easy. It's that simple. Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Make me a new person. Give me that optimism. Give me that future eternity with you. And if you pray that prayer, he'll come into your heart. And he'll receive you. And he'll be for you. The other group that I want to pray for, those of you that you've allowed the pessimism to overtake you and overrun you. And I'm not saying it's not real. 
I've battled depression in my life. I know what it's like to be down and feel like you've been beat up. I know what it's like to wonder about hope, but I also know what it's like to crawl out of that and to get victory and to overcome that. So I speak to you today, if you're suffering and you're in that depression and you're down, don't give up hope. God has amazing things for you. And this current situation we're in compares to nothing, and nothing compares to what he has in store for us. Not just in eternity, but in the very near future, I believe. So let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you and I praise you for your love and goodness. And I pray today, Lord, that all of those that, that need you as their Lord and Savior, that right now, they'll pray that prayer and receive. And I pray over all of those that are suffering with depression, with anxiety, with stress, and all the real things that, God, you would be the lifter of our head. Your word says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I pray, God, blessings over each and every one of those. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.